I'm going to assume that you've sought out money advice here and there, and I'm going to take it further and assume that a lot of money advice talks about how you can save money. And let me guess, this advice involves looking at the numbers and using that to help you make decisions. What if we used a different filter to make financial decisions? She was healthy and she died in her sleep. It was really unexpected. It does haunt me. And I know it haunts my mother thinking, what if we just kept the original plans, went there for the holidays and enjoyed our moment and anything and everything could have happened, but we don't know. So we have to live with that memory and that decision. That's Jason. He decided to save a few hundred dollars back at the end of 2019 on flights to the Philippines to see his 97-year-old grandmother and instead pushed the trip to the spring of 2020. Well, we all know what happened, a global pandemic. And as you heard in this clip, Jason never got to see his grandmother before she passed. Yes, hindsight is 2020. The truth is that Jason could afford the extra money. It wasn't like he was heavily in debt or in financial trouble or anything. In fact, it was the opposite. And I'm sure you can guess he deeply regrets his decision to push back his trip. As you'll hear in our conversation, it makes him more determined than ever to make decisions using money as the final filter. Welcome to Beyond the Dollar with me, Sarah Lee Kane, a show where we have deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. Jason Vitug, founder of Frugal and the author of You Only Live Once, comes on the show to talk about the regret and raw emotions he still feels what the financial decision he made that led to him not seeing his grandmother before her passing. Him and I also chat about why we need to use money as the final filter, why so many of us default to savings, and how we can move beyond the question of survival once we have the financial means to do so. All right, get ready, grab a seat, and let's go beyond the dollar. I was planning a trip to go to the Philippines with my mom. We wanted to see my grandmother before her 95th birthday. And so we were really excited to plan this trip around the holidays. We booked the flight, believing we can make it to the Philippines before the beginning of the new year. And then my mother and I had a conversation about the cost because it's really expensive to go around the globe during the holidays. And part of that was discussing whether or not we could probably find a cheaper rate if we pushed it after the holidays. And we did. In 2020, early 2020, we decided to push it over to April. And we all know what happened around March. The world stopped. There was a great pause and the pandemic ensued. And we were unable to get to travel to the Philippines and see my grandmother. The unexpected and the most heartbreaking thing happened. My grandmother passed away on July 14th, the actual day of my birthday. So pushing the flight to the Philippines a few months past and believing that the pandemic wasn't going to last an entire year and eventually we lost her before we even got to see her. One of the things that I had to deal with in 2020 and throughout the, the pandemic and the quarantine and the isolation is this thought of, was it worth it? Was it worth saving the few hundred dollars just to, for whatever reason? Because I would pay any amount of money to see my grandmother one last time. 
I do plan to say my last words when I am able to travel there, whenever that is possible, and doing the last rites and rituals that will give testament to the fact that she is my grandmother and someone I love and adored and I didn't get to say a proper goodbye to. Talk to me more about this question. Like, What has come up for you as you've been asking, is this worth it or what was the savings worth it? Well, that's kind of one of the things I've learned is that I'm known to talk about saving money, but being really intentional in how we spend. I'm not about cutting the dollar for cutting the dollar's sake. I really want to be intentional in how I spend. For me, there's also this nagging feeling because I am within the personal finance community. I am entrenched in financial education and literacy that somehow the discussion of, oh, I could spend less on this ticket actually did impact me. Of all the work I've done in awareness and intentional spending and mindful spending, I had no clue that spending $2,000 per ticket and believing I could save and only spend $1,500, that was a financial win. And realizing that there are just some expenses that are well worth it. The original idea of traveling to the Philippines for the holidays, because it's celebrated in a really beautiful way, it really starts in October all the way through December. And being able to do that with my grandmother would have been such an amazing experience. And all of a sudden, that little voice in my head that said, well, it's going to be cheaper after the holidays. What's a couple of months? Well, a couple of months, many things can happen. So trying to filter this decision and having it influence with money through the lens of just the dollar. I mean, I look back and as I mentioned, I would be more than happy to spend $2,000, $3,000 for the ticket just to see my grandmother. Something that popped up in my head is this question, why is it so common for many of us to default to thinking about saving money rather than spending? And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. It's interesting because we focus a lot of our attention on the importance of savings because not many people save or they're not saving for the things that are important, whether it's emergencies. And we can talk about the pandemic, not people being prepared financially for it. But I'm in a different situation where I did have an emergency fund. I do have rainy day funds and I was investing in the market. So I was well prepared financially, but there was something that we surround ourselves with where we think saving a dollar or a penny is a good financial move. And that's exactly the thought that entered my mind and the discussion I had with my mother. Interestingly enough is that my mom wasn't looking so much about, oh, let's get the cheapest flight possible to the Philippines. She knew that if we could get a lower ticket to go to the Philippines, she could use that money to help her family members that are there she sends money every month. There is that idea of going, we could save this money in order to do something else with it. I think that is also part of that decision-making. So it wasn't so much like, I'm just going to save for the sake of saving. It was also, we can use this money in a different way and not really factoring in that we do have the means to already not only pay for the ticket, but also give money to our family and our friends when we're there. Tell me more about sending money to relatives, I guess, back home for lack of a better term. Like, is that something very common within the Filipino community? And if so, like, why? Yeah, it's really common in the Filipino community. And I really wasn't aware. And that's one of the things when I think about my family or my parents, specifically my mom's side of the family, where their financial issues wasn't just 
how they were managing their money, but the fact that they were financially supporting extended family. And that's really big in terms of the culture. In Filipino culture, your family isn't just your spouse and your children. It includes your grandparents. It includes your brothers and sisters and your nieces and your nephews. So it is an extended family. And so when you have the means, and my mother is the only one from my family in the Philippines that's in the U.S., she has the means and the obligation as also being one of the oldest to support the family. So for her, part of the sense of duty as being one of the older daughters and just of the culture is that you support your family back home. I thought that was also just unique to my mom and just how she's very family oriented. And as I done the work and I realized and I spoke with other individuals, that is a huge part of Filipino identity is that you take care of yourself and you take care of your family. And again, that family is really extended. So this idea that you have your finances in order and you plan for yourself and your retirement and your kids, you also have to plan for your grandparents, what we call our titos and our titas. You have to plan for them as well. I'm curious about your thoughts on this. I know you mentioned your mom is thinking about like saving this money to be able to send back home or to other family members. But what about you? What are your thoughts about it before and after this incident with your grandmother passing? Well, that's the thing. It's I've helped some distant relatives in the Philippines whenever they, they send me a message and they need funds for medical issues or education and things like that. I would do whatever I can. But then when we look at the number of extended family members, there is a lot of extended family members. And you get to a point where I want to make sure that I take care of myself. I'm still thinking about my future. And there's just so many things that can and will do happen. But then when I reflect back in terms of the money I potentially could save on that airline ticket and the money that I should have spent just to be there before the pandemic hit, it's one of those moments where I would have gladly paid, as I mentioned, two, $3,000 and not even blink an eye because I had already planned that I was going in the holidays and an opportunity to see my grandmother on her 95th birthday. So I thought that would have been a really important and special event. When I reflect back, it really has solidified my belief that we shouldn't filter every single decision with a financial filter or lens. It's important for us to think and have consideration based on our finances and based on doing the cost analysis of certain things. But when it comes to things that are truly important, that's when we have to figure out how can I pay for this? What's more important to me? Is it really saving that extra dollar or is it really having this experience? And part of the conversation, I think back and why it impacts me really emotionally is that my mother and I had a conversation that we didn't know how long my grandmother had. There's always that expectation when you have a loved one that's reaching their 90s and turning 95 and she was healthy. It wasn't like she was sick or she had an illness. She was healthy and she died in her sleep. It was really unexpected. And so when you think about that and it does haunt me and I know it haunts my mother thinking, what if we just kept the original plans, went there for the holidays, and enjoyed our moment and anything and everything could have happened, but we don't know. So we have to live with that memory and that decision. And to this day, and you're looking at, we're already through the year, it's, I, I still think about the idea that we should not filter everything through finances. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is that once we reach a certain stability, so to speak, 
in terms of money, like we, the numbers are working, we can cover basic needs and then some, it becomes almost this, again, this question of priorities. It's, it's almost different. It's like, whereas if someone would have less money, let's say, or less means, it's about basic survival. Whereas now we can think about these grander questions like, is this worth my time? Is this worth X, Y, or Z? You're right, because it is very difficult to think about what makes you happy when you're struggling with your finances to be able to pay for your basic living expenses. When people say, oh yeah, just focus on living a great life, focus on your passion and serving your purpose. Well, I know firsthand it's very difficult to focus on any of those things when you are struggling for basic living expenses. But when you get to a point where you've learned to manage your money, you've learned how to figure out your cash flow and earn income and put money where they need to be, you get that level of financial stability or financial security. It does free you up to start asking some of these questions and it allows you a bit more freedom. The big lesson is realizing that when you get to a point of being financially secure, financially stable, or even financially independent, when you get to that point, it is still very difficult to look at making life decisions outside of the dollar. And that's some kind of programming. I thought that I was unique in this situation. And I started speaking with a lot of people in their 70s who were telling me, yeah, they were savers and they were planning for an awesome retirement. And when they reached retirement, they realized they couldn't spend the money that they saved. They felt like there wasn't enough. So I had to look inside myself and realize I am financially stable and secure. I have multiple income streams. Why do I still feel or have this thought that I'm unable to do everything I want to do? Not necessarily I want to do everything, but I have more freedom and ability than most, but yet I'm still scared to spend my money the way I want to. And a lot of that also has to do with just how financially messy I was. I was financially messy and I got my act together and I've gotten to a place where I'm doing really well. And yet that fear is still there and influencing my decision because I knew having the discussion about what if and then using money as the final filter to decide this decision is going to weigh on me. And I don't know for how long, but it is weighing on me because it became the final decision on a choice whether or not to fly overseas to see my grandmother. And so just imagining that and thinking about it and ruminating about it and reminding me of my philosophy that money isn't everything, but money does impact everything. Money essentially is a tool to help us achieve our goals. And what is our goals? Certainly, if I don't have money, it's going to impact my ability to do certain things. But if I have it, I really need to shift my mindset a bit more and a bit more aware to say I can spend because I'm doing all the right things. And we have to give ourselves and I have to give myself the okay to do that, to say it's okay for you to spend $2,000, $3,000 on an airline ticket. Someone else, it may not be possible for them to do so but it's okay for me to do it. Do you think the fear comes from maybe cultural conditionings as well or or the messages that you received in in addition to the financial messes that you've made as an adult? That's the thing too. Our money mindset, and you've talked about this as well, is that our mindset is impacted by our parents, their beliefs, how they manage money, it's going to influence the way I manage my money or my relationship with money. 
And part of that is the culture and the context. And me understanding, and I realize this because the privilege of being American and growing up American, the privilege of the opportunities that my parents afforded me through their sacrifices, I didn't fully grasp. And then doing the work of understanding my culture and understanding the history of my parents and knowing that they came from nothing and knowing that they did come from poverty. When I say poverty, it's third world poverty where they were stricken with the inability to afford medicine, to afford food and not having the means. Well, that impacts their relationship with money in terms of we need to earn and we need to be able to afford these basic things. We need to be able to save that extra dollar or that penny because there's something that's going to happen and we need to be prepared for it. Yeah. So that impacts me as well. That's cultural. One, it's how they grew up because not all Filipinos grew up and grow up in poverty. Many do, but not all. And the fact that they were able to bring themselves up and create a life that many people would say is a really good life, but you can't get away from that experience of when there were days you went without food or years where you don't celebrate big events because there was just no means to do so. I think back when I was a kid, I always wondered why my parents never made a big deal about events, about birthdays and celebrations. And it wasn't that they didn't want to celebrate these things. It was just still that mentality of like, that's going to be expensive and we may need this money to pay for medical or, or for food or just for rent. And I really didn't understand that. And I'm beginning to understand it. And I'm beginning to uncover how I grew up, my relationship with money, how that was impacted by how their history, in addition to the cultural context of not having the means. I know you talk to your mom about flights and saving money and all that, but are there any other conversations you have with your parents or other family members about money? Yeah. So I'm the person that breaks the money taboo within my family. So I love talking about money, specifically about creating wealth and more so about generational wealth because now I have nieces and nephews and I know the importance and how we broke generational poverty. I always want to remind my family that we're all in a really great place. They're successful in their career. They're all homeowners. They own cars. They travel. So they've really come up in terms of the history I thought it was important when I started sharing my financial messiness openly with my family. And as I started blogging about mindset, they became better in terms of sharing their financial struggles. It's interesting because we're close knit family, but we weren't necessarily having this conversation about money. We were having conversations about everything, what we wanted to accomplish, the roles we wanted in our job. We're talking about family and our vacations and the homes we wanted. We weren't really talking about the financial numbers. That also is part of the culture of where our parents ensured that all the basic things were taken care of and that their kids shouldn't have to worry about money. My parents worried about money so much that they made sure that their kids never thought about money. But that's also an issue and that's a problem. When you don't have the conversation with your kids about money, they're going to learn it from someone else. And they're not going to understand why, at many times, I wondered why they were cheap or why they weren't spending on certain things or why they were spending on some things and not understanding that full context of like, yes, they may not have been saving because anything and everything can happen. And they were spending way more than they were making because they just grew up with nothing and this ability to be able to buy things impacted them. And so 
their idea was we're going to try to give you what we can to make sure that you don't ever think about food, shelter, medicine, and those things. For me, breaking the taboo and just talking about how messy I was just opened the floodgates. My brothers and sisters and I were very open in terms of our income, in terms of our debt load, and that has allowed them to make better decisions. My sister will tell me that there are times that I'll share some financial information and she'll say, okay, Jason doing it again. Then she'll hear my voice and then she'll make the switch. She will call me up and say, thank you so much because my portfolio just shot up 20, 30% because of that one little tweak or I save money on this. Then we get into the idea of like, I start asking her, well, what are you saving for? And what are you investing for? And she has three kids and she's like, I want to make sure that I have money for them for college and they're set up or if they decide not to go to college, that they have funds to do whatever it is that they want to do and explore. That's part of the conversations I have with them. So it's not just finances, but it's also what about their financial situation that they're, they're working towards that helps them lead to that kind of vision and that life goal. As you were saying all that, what kept coming up for me was this sense of community and how that has benefited, I think, your conversations with your family, maybe even your mom. So even though maybe your mom didn't really directly talk about money with you, that sense of taking care of each other, it almost sounded like it led you to be a lot more open about it as a way to care and help for each other. And I'm wondering if that's the case. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. The idea that family is important and family isn't just your blood, it's the community. That in itself is why I look at money in a way that, because as I mentioned, money impacts most things. And if we don't talk about it, then chances are we're still making horrible financial decisions that don't help us live the life we want to live. And then when I think about community and I think about specifically the Filipino community, so there is a term called kapwa, K-A-P-W-A. So kapwa means shared inner self. That means myself is shared with other people. So it's not just me as an individual, it's who I am in relation to the community. And it is an ancient Filipino pre-colonial philosophy and mentality of living that my shared self, it revolves around other people. So I cannot actually physically remove myself from my identity from others. Therefore, my well-being is impacted by the well-being of others. When I think about Filipino community and how going back to my mom, taking care of her extended family, it makes sense because in her mind, her identity is also tied up to the community. And that community consists of all this extended family members. When I look back at the work that I do and why it's important for me to to break the taboo, because it's my way of helping the community because of my financial issues, because I know that people most often have their biggest challenges in achieving their life goals as finances, a good way for me to help is to have these money conversations, these tough money conversations with people within my community. So I do want to bring it back to your grandma and flying to Manila whenever things are more open. I'm curious the conversation you're going to have with your mom. It's obviously not going to be about how much is it going to cost, but what do you imagine the conversation will be when you both are planning this trip to honor your grandma when you're there? We've started having this conversation and we're still in the process of dealing with emotions and dealing with the fact that when we do arrive, that she's not going to be there. 
it is still fresh. The financial aspect of it isn't even on the table. It's going to happen. I've already made that decision. And part of the thing that I'm working my mother through is just the emotional aspect of going there and not being able to hug her mother. We've had these conversations already and they're still emotionally fueled. When we look at the financial context of it, that's not even on the table. It's like, yes, we're going to pay our last respects in person. We'll have a tribute. We're going to spare no expenses to make sure that her life is honored and to help also close chapter for my mother and things like that. But one of the things that impact me the most too, and when we think about when we filter everything through finances or there's always a financial component to our decisions is that there is that emotional aspect and, and the mental pain. For me, it's like no amount of money. I can go and fly first class. We can have an amazing experience in terms of making sure my mother is comfortable going there, et cetera. And all that financial expense won't ever make up for for that emotional pain. I want to shortly bring it up to the idea of like, if there is something you truly want to do, and if you've done the work and you've crunched the numbers and it's something you truly want to do, I definitely think you go ahead and do it. It's not saying on the negative way, YOLO, and don't think about the repercussions. It's you only live once and you've made these decisions. You've set yourself up to be able to live the life that you want to live. And that life includes being around family members and hopefully being around them for a really long time. You can find Jason at frugal.com. That's P-H-R-O-O-G-A-L.com. Or you can read his book, You Only Live Once, wherever you buy books. And thank you so much for listening to Beyond the Dollar. Next week, we're going to break down this conversation so that we can talk about some of the questions you can ask on how to use money as the final filter. If you like what you heard, please share with a friend. It'll help share of the mission of what we're trying to do around here, which is to have more deep and honest conversations about how money affects your well-being. You can tag them on Instagram on one of my posts at Beyond the Dollar send them an email, or even show them how to subscribe on their favorite podcast app. Basically, whatever you can do to spread the mission of what we're doing around here. And if thinking about money as a final filter is really important to you, in the meantime, you can go head over to beyondthedollar.co slash enough and download the enough number guide, which has some fancy worksheets and some guiding questions on how you can figure out what number you need to achieve in your financial life to have a sense of enough. Thank you again for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of Beyond the Dollar. By the way, thanks to Donovan Durance for the awesome music. Music.